Welcome to the 100th episode of the History of North America podcast. Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. Before we travel to other parts of the continent and new exciting adventures in our series narrative, let's examine the legacy of French Florida. The French colony was wiped out by Spain in 1565. Spanish forces routed and dislodged the French and executed most of the Protestant captives. Following the sacking and capture of the French settlement by Spanish troops, Huguenots either fled into the wild mainland or were killed in a subsequent massacre. Three years later, France returned to further explore the area and, with the help of their old native allies, massacred the Spanish garrison in retaliation. But the French did not capitalize long-term on this action. After the French departed from Florida, the local natives made peace with the Spanish and became heavily involved in the Spanish mission system, which established a Catholic mission near their main village. Tragically, the natives were eventually decimated by new infectious diseases and warfare. They soon disappeared from the historical record and lost their independent identity with the few survivors likely merging with other Florida native peoples. Our wonderful guide through this fascinating period, Eric Yanis of the Other States of America podcast, gives us his take on the legacy of French Florida. And so now let's move into the legacy portion of French Florida. And everybody involved, not just the French. Let's start first, of course, with our Native American population that we met, the Timuka or the Timucoa, or however you want to say them. Again, at the beginning of French Florida, in the middle of the 16th century, the Timucoa numbered somewhere around 100,000 or more in population. However, by the year 1700, they had dwindled to about 1,000 members due to being stuck sort of in the no-man's land between Spanish and English territory. English native allies had been wearing away the Timuca, enslaving them or assimilating them. Optimistically, within the 18th century, at some point, it is believed that the remnants of the tribe, maybe just a couple hundred people or a couple dozen, joined the Seminole Indians, and then they were no more. This large and proud people, who were broken up into many chiefdoms at one point in time, each one may have been as big as the entire Iroquois Confederacy, gone. But now let's turn back to the French, and what their fate was, just for the few who made it back to France, and survived the harrowing wreck that was French Florida. The carpenter, Nicolas Le Chalot, who we've turned to several times, gray-haired, slightly over the hill. When he returned from Florida, he wrote this poem. Of course, it's been translated into English. Who wants to go to Florida? Let him go where I have been, returning gaunt and empty, collapsing from weakness. The only benefit I have brought back is one good white stick in my hand. But I am safe and sound, not disheartened. Let's eat. I'm starving. But unfortunately for La Chalot and the others, before the end of the decade, there would be two more French civil wars of religion, with six more in the future. So one in the past, two right now in the period we're talking about, six more in the future, nine civil wars over religion, France suffering somewhere between two and four million casualties. And one of those casualties in 1572 was Admiral Gaspard de Caligny, the great Huguenot leader of this entire endeavor, who remained in France, of course, because he was a man of position and had certain responsibilities. But he was probably the most famous Huguenot in all of France at the time. He was shot while riding his horse, shot right in the back. But he was a tough man and he survived. But while recovering in bed, he was murdered. 
The Catholic powers that be allowed young children to mutilate his body. At the end of the day, de Coligny was castrated, disemboweled, and dismembered by children. This was all part of a larger, more mischievous effort that became known as the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre, a Catholic planned attack on Huguenots that killed somewhere between 5,000 and 30,000 people. Now, what was the fate of Laudanier, our actual on-the-ground leader during much of our story? Just like Nicolas Chalot, he left an account of French Florida and then spent many years trying to capture the glory he always wanted. Ribot died as a fearless leader, and then Coligny died as a martyr. They had glory infused with their legacy. They had a legacy, period. Laudanier went on to have a great big family, and he sought employment, actually, with the King of Spain for a while, and then spent most of his life after Florida working for the King of France. But he never got that reputation. He never got what his friends had in their heroic deaths or in their amazing lives. He was always one or two steps below them. And even on his deathbed, Laudanier, it, it haunted him. And he is recorded to have said, Shall I, Laudanier, pass away untouched by glory? Sorry, Laudanier. By and large, yes. But you have to give him some credit. We've learned about colonies before that have had all of the many factors that affected Laudanier and Fort Caroline in all of French Florida, and they crumbled right away, or they crumbled a couple months in, or there was a mutiny and the guy was killed. Laudanier held it together. Held it together a lot more than a lot of men would have. So we have to give him credit for that. Perhaps we've treated Laudanier a little unfairly. But let's start bringing it around to real legacies. Things that might actually matter today. Things you might find of note. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. We see the first European-on-European European battle on the soil that would become the United States, or even the New World. We see the Spanish attacking the French, and then, about 18 months later or so, the French attacking the Spanish. This is a first, a European battle on American soil. But let's talk about more important things. Let's talk about long-term effects. The city of St. Augustine. As it turns out, St. Augustine was settled in direct competition to French Florida, as a direct result of French Florida. It is today the oldest European settlement of continuous occupation in the continental United States. And when Menendez cooled down a little bit, a few of those survivors from those shipwrecks, belonging to the French, of course, found their way to St. Augustine, and Menendez made them part of the population. And this is several decades before Jamestown. So even a couple, a handful of residents in St. Augustine in the 16th century could mean millions of descendants among Americans today. Oddly enough... If you look through the American saga through the lens of French Florida, you could almost start the story right here, right now. We have the people, we have the future population of the United States, well, part of the gene pool that would make it up, it's already there. And the occupied cities, already there. 
but we can connect this whole saga more closely to the American history that you know. Because of St. Augustine, the English became increasingly interested in settling their claim to the New World because the Spanish presence threatened their own ability to say they owned any of this land, as we've just seen with what happened to the French. And so part of the reason Roanoke is settled, and then later Jamestown, is to counter St. Augustine, which itself was settled to counter French Florida. Two different English companies had charters over different portions of the Atlantic coast along North America. The Virginia Company of London received the southern half. Meanwhile, the Virginia Company of Plymouth received the northern half, with a little bit of an overlap. And that caused a lot of confusion, a lot of worries. So once Jamestown was settled, the company that controlled the northern half, the Virginia Company of Plymouth, were concerned. They're like, oh boy, this one company is taking off, and we haven't even begun to settle our claim. Well, 1620, who lands in their laps but the settlers that you would call pilgrims? And they settled Plymouth in 1620. Plymouth to Jamestown and Roanoke, back to St. Augustine, all because of French Florida. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. Maybe this is a little too high concept. Maybe it might be all in my imagination. But here's one final tangible link. Lemoyne, the painter. Remember him? The French painter who left us probably the best account of French Florida. And his paintings of French Florida later were made in etchings and published. And you can look at them today. They are some of the first images we have of many of the different Native Americans in the Southeast United States. Because of all the French wars of religion, Lemoyne Huguenot moved to England, where his Calvinist bent faith would have a little more acceptance. Here you would find moderate success as an artist and a publisher, a bookseller. And one day a man named John White sought out Lemoyne. And he said to Lemoyne, I'm going to make a colony in the New World. This colony would become known as Roanoke. And he sought out Lemoyne for advice because he had heard of his tale of French Florida. And Lemoyne, quite old at this point, imparted all the wisdom he could on what the New World was all about to John White. And so here we have a very literal handoff of French Florida to the English colonies themselves. The persecution of Protestant Huguenots in France during the 16th century prompted President François Mitterrand to issue a formal apology to the Huguenots and their descendants on behalf of the French nation in 1985. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. Want exclusive access to bonus episodes, ad-free content, and extra materials? Then join us on patreon.com slash markvinette. Please help us grow by sharing this podcast with a friend. Thanks. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.